Good morning and welcome back. My name is Andy. Um, I'm the lead pastor here at High Point Church. Great to be with you this morning. And we're going to jump right in today uh, with the text. Uh, If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 4. And as we do, let me bring you up to speed on on some things that I read in the news this week. There's obviously a lot of things happening um, in the news right now. But how about the fact that 190,000 ceiling fans recently had to be recalled? Hmm. You may need to look at your ceiling fan right now, ladies and gentlemen, right? 190,000 ceiling fans, uh, I won't even name the manufacturer, you know, won't throw them under the bus, but they had to recall these fans because as people were putting them on medium and high speed, the blades started shooting off of the fan. Now, can you imagine sitting just trying to enjoy your morning coffee? right? You're reading. <laughs> you're, you're trying to watch a show and your, your ceiling fan turns into a ninja just throwing blades at you, you know, while you're sitting there. No, there was no, there was no lethal, you know, moments here, but you can obviously understand that this is a major problem. And it all came down to one little thing, just one little screw that wasn't it, it just it wasn't being threaded properly in the right place. But it wasn't the user error. It was actual manufacturing problem. One little screw. And the whole thing is, it, it, it is kind of unraveling, so to speak. Blades are being shot at people in a salt-like fashion in their homes. Can you imagine, right? And the reality is we can't imagine. Maybe not that, for instance, but we know what it's like for something small, seemingly small, to have significant impact, right? It has magnificent, magnificent? It has, it has large implications, right? Large ramifications. And so today we're talking about faith, and I want to talk to you about what may feel like something small, a small decision, a small amount of faith, a small amount of trust that actually has huge implications on your heart and on your soul. In fact, it just might be the thing that brings fresh life and fresh wind to your heart and to your soul today. We understand this concept, uh, full transparency, right? It seems small, but I don't like porch swings, okay? I know. <laughs> I don't like porch swings. There's something about sitting on the porch swing and you look up because you know, like, some regular guy, like, installed this, right? And you're looking up and you, you just see, you know, it's like somebody, somebody put this into the wood beams on their front porch with a screwdriver and you're thinking to yourself, is this really going to hold me? Everybody has sat on a swing or a chair at one point and you thought... Is this going to make it or is this going to be one of those just horribly embarrassing moments, right? That's how I feel every time I sit on a porch swing. We know what it's like. We know the pain of placing too much trust in the wrong things. But today we're going to flip the script. Everyone knows the pain of placing too much trust in the wrong thing. But what about when we place too little trust in the right Too little trust in the right thing. That's where we find ourselves in John chapter 4. 
And in the same way that just a little tightening of the screw, right, would have changed everything in this ceiling fan. If this was just the smallest little adjustment changed everything. Jesus is helping this man in John chapter 4 adjust his idea of faith and trust. It seems small, and yet it has unbelievable impact. And Jesus is trying to help him get his faith working in the right thing. John chapter 4, verse 43. <clears throat> After two days, Jesus left for Galilee. Now, Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They'd seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. That's Jesus' first miracle. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. It's an interesting story. You've got a royal official, a guy with a measure of importance, right? He's, his son is sick, close to death. You have Jesus returning to his hometown country, and he's gained a bit of notoriety at this point. People are familiar that they've seen him do some signs and they've seen some miracles. And you got to understand, you know, wherever you're watching from, most of you watching are probably viewing from some side of community or city that's probably larger than a thousand or two thousand people. I realize there are plenty of towns in the United States and abroad and around the world that are smaller than that. But we're broadcasting this and streaming this from Atlanta. There's millions of people that live here. Even our local community of Kennesaw, you're talking hundreds of thousands of people that live around each other. We don't all know each other. That is not the case when it comes to towns and villages uh, here in, 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 in this account. I'm not saying that everyone knew each other like BFFs, but it wouldn't be too far remiss to think that you're just one degree removed from just about everybody. Even if you don't know, know, know them, you probably know of them. And so Jesus, I mean, he's, he's a hometown kid. He's returning and people would have known who he was. But now Jesus is returning and he's got a little bit of reputation as well because things have been going on. Jesus has got a little bit of game happening, right? He went to, he was invited to a wedding. Why was he invited to a wedding? Because people knew who he was because his family, you know, was somebody in the community. And in the same way that you'd invite, you know, the, 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 the people around you to your wedding, they invited Jesus's family. Many times it was a whole village type affair. And Jesus has performed a miracle there. He's turned water to wine. People have heard about it. They've talked about it. Then Jesus goes to Jerusalem for Passover. And there he's, he, you know, he drives out the money changers at the temple. This is a big deal. He's also beginning to perform signs and miracles. And the word is getting out. Jesus, Jesus, 
is like doing stuff. You believe this? this is crazy. And so the royal official, who's Jewish, would have heard and known a bit about Jesus. And so when he hears that he's returning to town, he gets on most likely his horse and he travels the eight hours to get to, to, get to Jesus, to ask him to heal his son. He's desperate. Anybody who has had a child uh, sick, or it doesn't even have to be a child. If you've ever just been desperate for a miracle as it pertains to somebody's health, right, in particular, we can be desperate for a lot of things, but there's nothing like, like life hanging in the balance. And there's really nothing like it when it's your own child. We oftentimes don't think of what this man would have been going through, but he personally leaves the bedside of his son. Can you imagine what's going through his mind? Am I even going to find Jesus? When I get to him, is Jesus going to actually help me? Is he going to go with me? What's going to happen in the eight hours that I travel? Is my son even going to make it? What if my son you know, is, is calling out for me and I'm not there? What if my son passes and I'm not there by his side? What if, imagine all the scenarios that would have racked this man, and yet he still does what's, he, he makes the right decision here to go find Jesus. My kids, I, some of my kids have very severe allergies, as in like life-threatening type stuff. And on one Sunday morning, literally we're talking minutes before service is about to begin, one of my sons is having an allergic reaction, but it's extreme, okay? We don't know what triggered it. We don't know how it got going, but when you, if you've ever seen a frightening or life-threatening allergy and the throat begins to tighten up and the breathing is now becoming extremely labored, eyes swelling shut. That's what was happening. And <laughs> I kid you not, you know, wheels screeching as, as, you know, we're pulling in the front of the school, getting my son in the car. And I hand my iPad to, to Jason, Pastor Jason. I'm like, hey, you don't even know what the message is. You can read my notes. You can literally read it verbatim. I'm out of here. Like it wasn't even, a, it, there was no second even guessing me being by my child's side as he's going through this. I can't imagine then leaving to try to find the answer to help them in that moment. Whew. And yet this man does it. It was courageous and it was the right move. And yet Jesus' response in this moment is so interesting, isn't it? Because this man gets a, it's probably gentle, but there's no question there's a rebuke in this moment, a correction. And it's not just for him, it's for everyone watching. Here he is, hometown hero, Jesus. He's back. The royal official is heard. He comes and he finds Jesus and he gets there. And again, people are looking for, you know, the, the next thing that Jesus is going to do, like he's a street magician, right? The official comes and he would have had some importance and the conversation happens. And you got to know there's got to be a crowd already forming. 
And Jesus says to him, unless you people, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. And yet, what what do you mean we'll never believe? The, The man just rode eight hours to get here. What is it that he's not believing? The measure of offense and hurt and pain in this man coming to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, I can't do that. I don't actually have the ability. I don't have the power. You know what? You, You got this all wrong. You misunderstood. No, he doesn't do any of that. He just looks at the man and says, unless you believe, you know, I mean, unless you see signs and wonders, you're just never gonna believe. But the man wants him to travel with him, to heal his son. But Jesus doesn't do that. He just says, hey, go ahead and head on home. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Okay. Now, you know, I I traveled on a risk. Now I'm mad, right? Now I'm hurt. Now I'm fighting mad. What do you mean go home? And yet this man does that. He, He doesn't respond in anger. He doesn't respond in fury or even hurt. In fact, in the text that we'll read in just a second, it says that he... He takes Jesus at his word. But before we get to that, and what, 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 is the, what is the ceiling fan tightening of the screw moment for us is this, is this statement, unless you see signs and wonders, you're just not going to believe. Why does Jesus respond like that? And how does it have bearing on our lives today? And it goes all the way back to the the very first sentence in our account that Jesus says, unless, uh, excuse me, he says, a prophet has no honor in his own country. See, Jesus has come back into town. I keep calling him the, you know, the hometown hero. But the truth is, people would have known who he was and they are familiar with Jesus. In fact, there were times where his own family came and showed up at places where he was teaching, right? And they're trying to like get him to come home as in like, Jesus, you are kind of embarrassing us, right? They don't understand who Jesus really is. Oh, they they can acknowledge that what's happening around him and through him is pretty amazing. It's pretty powerful. In fact, that was awesome. Did you see that? You know, as they're walking to the cafe or the restaurant or they're preparing the meal of the house. You guys, did you see what Jesus did? That was nuts. You know, but, but understand these people grew up with Jesus. In fact, the, the, if you look in the book of Mark, many times they, it says things like, isn't this like Mary and Joseph's son? Isn't that the carpenter's kid? See, there's something that happens as we grow, either grow familiar or you simply are. Maybe you grew up going to church. Maybe you grew up around Christianity or maybe you're new to faith. Even today, maybe you're new to all this, but it doesn't take long to be around it for such a time that your your body just simply, like your soul, your spirit becomes familiar with Jesus. You get used to it. You take it for granted. You no longer acknowledge who Jesus is. You just acknowledge what Jesus can do. And so... We see Jesus 
trying to pull the slack out of the chain in this moment. Because there's a crowd watching, but they aren't acknowledging who Jesus is. And to be fair, the royal official, he's not really ultimately acknowledging who Jesus is in this moment either. He knows, and he's right to know it. He knows that Jesus can do something. But he doesn't recognize who Jesus is. And so faith in what Jesus can do, it is not the same as faith in who Jesus is. And it's amazing. There have been so many moments in my own life where, you know, you're praying and you're just like, oh God, can you, you do this? Like I'm acknowledging that God is real. I'm acknowledging that, that you know, maybe miracles can happen. But have I really acknowledged who Jesus is in this moment? The authority that he, that he has. Who he is as the son of God. Or is it simply the kind of lucky rabbit's foot in my life? Is he just simply the the God that can kind of do stuff for me? The God who shows up in powerful ways and I can acknowledge that I read this book. You know, this was an amazing thing. I heard this story. It was awesome. You know, I prayed, you know, when I was nine and, you know, this happened and we, we have these stories and accounts and those are good. Don't discount that. But understand that in those moments, the purpose of God moving miraculously is that our eyes would be lifted to acknowledge who he really is. That we wouldn't remain familiar with him and discount who he is simply because of proximity. When, when my wife and I went to, to, when we began praying about planting a church, I'm originally from St. Louis, and I have to tell you, I, I, there was a part of me that wanted to plant in St. Louis and start a church in St. Louis, but because I grew up there, and the place where I would have started, everybody would have known me. You need to understand, people would have come. People would have shown up, but the moment Andy needs to actually cross them, the, the moment Andy needs to bring correction, the moment Andy is, is leading in such a way that requires people to actually follow, the rubber now meets the road. It's no longer just good times in the hometown kid showing up and everybody feeling good and having a good time. Hey, we can cheer this on. Hey, it's, it's, it's Rick and Diane's son. He's back. He started a church. Hey, let's go. It's going to be great. Oh, it's great because you're familiar. But have you really learned who Christ is? Are you following him? Do you love him? Do you really know him? Because the more familiar it becomes, the less, the less we cherish who Jesus really is. Faith in what Jesus can do is not the same as faith in who Jesus is. Just this past week, I got a Facebook message and this individual asking for money. Many of you have received messages like this. This person reaches out to me probably every four to six months. And they ask for money. Sometimes, literally this week, it was 14 bucks. $14. They don't really know me. We've never even met. And the truth is, they know that I 
could give them $14. They're confident that I can do that, but they don't know me. Right? We don't have any relationship. It's purely transactional. It's purely, hey, I'm going to hit you up again because I think you can do something for me. Rather than us knowing each other and actually trusting each other and having engagement and relationship and even some back and forth. And what Jesus is drawing this man into in this moment is this kind of relationship that's beyond transaction. It's beyond what he can simply do for him and an acknowledgement of who Jesus really is. Who is Jesus? He is the son of the living God. He is Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. And as somebody who was Jewish, he would have known this language. He would have understood this context. Jesus made no mistake about it. Rumors were already circulating. Jesus, prophet, is he the long-awaited one? Surely not. Could it be? Is it? So the conversations had already begun, but they hadn't stuck long enough and hard enough in this man's heart for him to truly acknowledge who Jesus was. John chapter 4, verse 50. The man took Jesus at his word. And departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household, what? believed. And the heart of this account is literally right here. He and his whole household believed. The ceiling fan was wobbly. The ceiling fan was, you know, this, this, the faith fan was throwing blades all over the place and the screw needed to be tightened. It's not just that Jesus can do amazing things. It's not that he's just a good teacher. It's not that he's just great for inspiration and some great positive platitudes or that you can just sit and kind of take a deep breath and feel a little bit better about your day. No, Jesus is, is trying to upgrade things in our life that we would acknowledge and own and embrace who he truly is. Who is Jesus? He is the son of the living God. He is savior. He is Messiah. And when that screw gets tightened, it's amazing what it does in your spirit and your soul. That's not to say some of you that are watching, you have tremendous needs in your life right now. And one of the things that you should be encouraged by is that Jesus doesn't somehow rebuff this man and say, hey, go figure this out. Then come back and talk to me and then maybe I'll heal your son. No, he doesn't do that. He moves in this man's life and in, the heart, and in his family, even before all this is sorted out, even before it's all figured out, even before the guy gets it all right. And I love that about God. The, the, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Meaning that, that God sent his son Jesus for you and for me long before we got this thing all right and all figured out. I love that you can come to Jesus as you are. Messed up, broke down, doubts, fears, hang-ups, hurts, all of it. You can bring all that to Jesus without any fear that he somehow won't hear your prayers because of the condition in which you're bringing yourself to him. Come to him. But here's the other great news, is that while Jesus invites you to come as you are, he also is the kind of Savior that doesn't leave you in the condition that you showed up in. He invites you and me into a relationship with him that changes us. It makes us new. And what I love is you're watching this, this what, what, we, what we find in this moment as, as the text says that the man and his whole family believed. That, that description, you know, in the Bible, when you see that, it means that they have put their faith in Jesus and that they're acknowledging him more as a not just as a teacher, but literally as Messiah, right? And, and I understand they don't have the, the New Testament written in this moment. We don't have the, you know, the full implications of, you know, of theology and all the things being worked out perfectly in this moment with this family. But this man and his household put their faith in Jesus in such a way that they had not prior. There is a recognition that Jesus is something more. And in our own lives, uh, we're going to be taking communion here in just a moment. But in our own lives, we all have needs and we need God to show up. And we, you know, we pray, Jesus, you know, would you do this? Jesus, would you help? Jesus, would you fix this? Jesus, this. And, And those are good prayers to pray. And I'm not telling you not to pray them. But understand that the greatest need without making light of your situation or your moment that you're in, the greatest need impressed upon you is still the condition of your heart before God. In other words, you need to know Jesus as somebody more that can just fix your situation. We need to know him as Savior. What does he save us from? He saves us from our sin. He's the long-awaited Savior. It doesn't take but a second of just self-analysis or turning on the news or scrolling on social media to, to, to recognize that things are not right, that something is wrong, that something has plagued not only the world itself, but even us on the inside. We can't keep our thoughts pure. We can't keep our thoughts right, right? We can't manage the emotions in our heart. We can't manage the anger, the resentment, the bitter bitterness. We're overrun by these things. Well, what on earth can we do about this sin and for things not working, right? We need a miracle, don't we? Yes. That's exactly what we need. We need somebody who not only can perform miracles, but he who himself is a miracle. We need a savior. We need somebody who can do what we cannot. And that's repair this broken, fractured relationship between us 
and a perfect and holy God. And that's what Jesus does. And he is tightening the screws on our faith that we might acknowledge who he is. Some of you have prayed for God to move in all kinds of different ways. I love it. Keep praying it. And now today, lift your eyes from Jesus as the one who can just do good things in your life to Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as King and Messiah. Let it be that you and your household put your faith in him and that you believe. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in this moment Lord, for the power of this account with the royal official. Lord, we're thankful that you move and we see a, a God that is in fact compassionate and gracious and you bring healing to this man's family. Lord, we're thankful that we see that. But we're also thankful, Lord, that you don't leave this particular man in the state in which he, that you find him in or that he finds you in. Lord, you, you're working in his heart as well. God, and you bring him to a place, you brought him to a place of faith, and you're doing the same thing in our lives, Lord. You're, you're, you're working in our spirits and in our soul to really come to faith in you, to know you, to acknowledge you. And today, Lord, I pray for those who are watching who have yet to really do that that this would be their moment. God, where they and their household can believe. Here's what I want you to do. If you're watching today, we're going to take communion here in just a moment. But before we do, I would like to give you an opportunity, even just as you're watching online, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, to have a moment where you literally put your faith in Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me, okay? This can look a lot of different ways. This is just how it's going to look today, okay? If you're ready to put your faith in Christ, then today's your moment. Say, say Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you were sent by our Heavenly Father, that you lived a perfect life, that you took upon yourself the sins of the world and you went to the cross on my behalf for my sin. You died the death that I deserve. You were buried in the tomb and on the third day you rose again victorious over life and death because you were in fact perfect. You lived a perfect life. You did what I couldn't do. And today I put my faith in you. I choose to trust you. I put it all on the line with you today. I acknowledge that you are my king. 